Welcome to Encounter God's Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we have a very special program for you today as we begin three weeks of remembering the Reformation. We'll be bringing you new teachings starting next week, but today we revisit a classic broadcast from Dr. John Whitcomb called Reformation or Halloween. We want you to be prepared to make the most spiritually of this fall season, and we think that you'll be challenged by this message. So please stay with us as Dr. Whitcomb deals with the question, Reformation or Halloween? God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. A humble monk and priest named Martin Luther came to realize this reality, and he proclaimed it openly to the world on October 31, 1517. Now, is it just a strange coincidence that this event happened on the same day that millions of people celebrate Halloween? Stay tuned to Encounter God's Truth to find out more. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and our teacher, Dr. John Whitcomb, is going to lead us in a fascinating and unique study on today's program. If you're able, have your Bible ready as we're going to consider some of the Apostle Paul's most crucially important words. Among them are these from Romans chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Here's Dr. Whitcomb to answer the question, Reformation or Halloween? When you stop to think about the origin and the nature, the character, the significance of what we call Halloween, millions of Americans, of course, participate, especially with their children, on that night. What does it mean? What's the background? What's the history? What is Halloween, anyway? Well, it has a very interesting history. It comes here in the 21st century from three sources. The first one traces it back to pagan roots of Ireland and Scotland long before the the gospel of Jesus Christ ever arrived in those areas. November the 1st was known as Samhain, the Druid Celtic New Year. October 31st was thus New Year's Eve, a harvest festival and a festival of the dead. It was believed to be the night on which, quote, the earth comes closest to the unseen spiritual world quoting here some passages from a work by D. James Kennedy. And ghosts and the spirits of the dead might, listen to this, return to kill and steal. And out of the rituals practiced on that night grew one that we now call trick-or-treat. Bonfires were lit to keep the ghosts away and to guide the spirits of the dead back to their homes. You see, the idea being many dead people want to seek revenge on those who had hurt them during their life and they come back and take revenge on them. How awful, how sad. So the second source, however, Halloween comes from the Middle Ages in Europe, when October 31st came to be known superstitiously as the highest witches' Sabbath, or the Black Sabbath of Witches. It was celebrated with a night of feasting, and out of this time period grew many of the customs surrounding Halloween, which people still practice today. The third source for Halloween as we know it today comes to us from the Roman Catholic Church during the Dark and Middle Ages, when the church was accumulating too many saints, quote-unquote, to be able to remember each one on his own day. You remember the idea being a saint would be some special Christian who, though dead, can intercede for you, pray for you. Gradually, in several steps during the 7th to the ninth centuries, the church developed November 1st as a day to remember all the saints, all the saints, calling it All Hallows' Day or All Saints' Day. Do it all on one day. Get it all over with. The day was first proclaimed by Pope Gregory III in the 8th century 
and extended to the entire church in the ninth century. Thus, November 1st was a day of what? Of worshiping the saints and pleading with them as mediators between God and man. October 31st, therefore, became the celebration of All Hallows Mass or All Hallows Eve, which is contracted to Halloween. Now, since the mid-1800s, well over 150 years, Halloween has been celebrated in America. Billions of dollars spent on Halloween decorations and so forth, costumes and so forth. Do people realize what they're spending their money for, what it really means, what its origin really is? And now, friends, something amazing in the providence of God happened on October the 31st, 1517, in Germany. The Reformation began. How? Listen carefully. At high noon, on All Hallows' Eve, the day before, the crowds had been making their way to the castle church in Wittenberg in Germany, northeast Germany, for the celebration of All Saints' Day. Luther, Martin Luther, hung there on the door where they would be seeing 95 statements or 95 theses that he wanted to have the chance to debate. He called into question the teachings of the popes and the church, especially regarding the sale of indulgences as a payment, supposedly, for the release of people, loved ones, from purgatory. And he asked for a hearing for the gospel of the grace of God. And my amazing things began to happen. People all over Germany heard about these 95 theses. In fact, I have a copy of them right in front of me here. And here's a typical thesis among the 95. Listen carefully. Every Christian who truly repents of his sins enjoys an entire remission, both of the penalty and of the guilt, without any need of indulgences. My. He wanted just to have a little debate about these issues, but people were reading it, nailed on the door. A storm spread across Germany a protest against the Catholic indulgences plan. And so the Reformation began. And in many ways, large and small, visibly and invisibly and spiritually, Romans 1, 16 and 17 at that moment began to reshape the world. The dark world, religiously, spiritually, biblically speaking, of the Middle Ages, built as it was on superstition and fear, began in that instant to give way to an entirely new world a world built on the knowledge of and belief in the word of God and the gospel. And what, 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 what is Romans chapter 1? What does that have to do with it? Listen carefully. This is something Luther discovered uh, as a monk in the Roman Catholic Church as he read the Bible. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, Jew and Gentile, every human being, my power of God for salvation. Now listen carefully. Verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, moving from one level of faith in what God has said to the next level, to the next level, all our lives. As it is written, both in the Old Testament, God had said this in advance, hadn't he? In the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. That's how he will live. Abraham knew that. He was justified by faith, as we know. And every Old Testament saint, believer, down to Nicodemus, John the Baptist, they were saved by grace of God based on the merits of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. 
by the grace of God, by simple faith. Genuine, simple faith in what God has said. That discovery uh, revolutionized the world in the days of Luther. And I say, now, Father, help us to see how gracious you were, even on that Halloween night, to prepare us for something better, something brighter, something more glorious. You know, friends, uh, Norman and I will never forget that tour. To see that castle, that door, his pulpit, as a matter of fact, and those theses spelled out there, how God used those words to electrify Germany and Europe and, in fact, much of the world as we know it today. And I say, thank you, thank you, God, for what you've done through Luther. Well, one major immediate result of the Protestant Reformation was the translation of the scriptures into the language of the people. Luther, as you know, put the Bible into German, uh, Tyndale and others into English, and uh, so today, today we can actually read what God said, not having to struggle with Latin, you see, the uh, language of the Middle Ages into which the Bible was placed. And I say, Lord, thank you. We have the word of God. We can understand it. We can read it for ourselves. So as the light of the gospel began to shine through lands previously overwhelmed by the darkness of the Middle Ages, listen carefully, the church was transformed. A new spirit of freedom and liberty began to spread across the continent ultimately coming to the shores of this new world in America. People began to see once again that salvation is what? Are you ready for this? Here's a big one, folks. By grace alone, by faith alone, by scripture alone, by Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. No works, no indulgences, no programs that would take enormous effort for us to supposedly pay for it. No purgatory is all cared cared for and paid for. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy in making this available. Well, one of my great professors of theology in my younger years as a Christian, Alva J. McLean, president of Grace Theological Seminary, back from 1937 uh, all the way until the Lord took him. He was my professor there for three years and later my senior colleague teaching at the school. He said, concerning this passage, which I read in Romans chapter 1. He said, We are told that the church has no power today. The diagnosticians and experts are running around in circles trying to find what is the matter and discover a remedy so the church may recover its lost power. They tell us that all churches must unite, that they must hold the young people, that they must get into politics. They must teach the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. They must cease preaching and the theological dogmas of the Bible. All these are mere quack remedies. If the church has lost its power, it's because it has lost the gospel. Because the gospel is the power. God has vested his power in the truth we preach, the truth we preach. The church is not the power, nor the preacher, nor the members in the pew, nor methods, organization, and money. Some say we ought to pray more. Quote, when we pray more, we'll have more power. End of quote. That's true, but the most astounding spectacle in all the universe, is an apostate church. We're talking in the Middle Ages now in Germany and Europe. An apostate church which, having cast away the true gospel, is now on its knees praying to God for power, praying to God for power. An astonishing contradiction. And yet, that's the tragic situation today. On the one hand, throwing away the power, and then on the other, praying for it. It's like going into a cave and praying for sunlight. On a hunger strike, and praying for food. 
refusing to breathe and at the same time praying for air. It must make the angels weep and the devil laugh. And I say thank you, God, for the light, the fresh air that you have provided. In the Bible, it was there all available, available all the time. Just people never bothered to read it or seek to compare Scripture with Scripture or to understand what God really meant by what he said about grace through faith, salvation, complete, forever. Grace through faith, salvation complete forever. We teach that message every week here on Encounter God's Truth, a faith-building outreach of Whitcomb Ministries. To learn more, visit our website at whitcombministries.org. We're remembering Reformation Day on this week's broadcast, helping you to celebrate the true meaning of October 31st. And here's Dr. Whitcomb to continue today's lesson. Friends, what a wonderful opportunity God gives us at Halloween children coming to our door, all dressed up in costumes, usually with their parents standing behind them, to tell them about Jesus. Special gospel tracts, good news, friends, for those who believe. Because isn't it amazing in the providence of God that it was on a Halloween night back in Germany in 1517 that Martin Luther put up those theses and inaugurated a wonderful rediscovery of what of what the Bible had said all along. We're not saved by works. There's no need for fear of demons and so-called spooks and so forth all over. No, no. Satan wants to distract us from the finished work of Jesus with all these kinds of things that are going on. Now, here's what he said. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 2, he said, We are justified not by the works of the law, but through faith faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by what? By faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And of course, over here, he quotes Habakkuk again in chapter 3 of Galatians. Very important emphasis. He said, that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, For the righteous man shall live by faith. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And he goes on to say, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Again, in the wonderful book of Hebrews, that summarizes the faith of Old Testament believers for hundreds of years. For you have need of endurance, the author of Hebrews says, chapter 10, verse 36, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet, quoting Habakkuk again, for yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by what? By faith, by faith. And I say, Lord, help me to rethink my relationship to you. I'm not allowing myself to be haunted by so-called ghosts and spirits or demons or whatever. That is superstition. That is darkness. That is error. There's no truth to it at all. And I say, Lord, help me to open both eyes, connect with my mind and heart and conscience and my soul, and say, Lord Jesus, by faith in you, as you brought to the mind of Martin Luther back there in 1517 in Wittenberg in East Germany, 
The same Bible, friends, was available all along from the previous 1,500 years and and the 500 years since then. God never muffles his voice when he talks about our eternal destiny and the finished work of Jesus to provide for us a home in heaven forever. So I say, Lord, help me to make this known to people everywhere, my my family, my friends, neighbors that may come across us. I mean, <laughs> sad to say, just about the only time in the year we have a chance to really witness to, to unsaved neighbors is that Halloween night. And uh, I say, Lord, help me to realize it can be for individual children and their parents, Reformation night, coming back to God, coming to him on his on his promise, his provision, according to his wonderful word of truth. And so, friends, God wants us to take advantage of opportunities. We don't have to wait till Halloween to do it, do we? No, every day we live, people call us, people come to sell us something at our front door. Uh, we go to a restaurant, some waiter serves us. We say, pardon me just a moment. Let me explain something God showed me many years ago. How to go to heaven? Do you know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And God so loved the world, friends. He loves the world to this hour, that whosoever believes in his beloved Son, whom he gave to be our Savior, should be saved forever and not come into condemnation. Help me to be a light reflector in the deepening darkness. The way such celebrations as Halloween taking over billions of dollars wasted, even Christmas, Thanksgiving, legitimate biblical days of remembrance are being neglected, ignored, perverted. The calendar won't save us. We agree on that. We understand that. What we do on the Sabbath is not going to save us or Sunday or any day. Let no man judge you concerning days and festivals and ordinances and holidays and events, but the word of the Lord that shines in the darkness is our genuine hope. And so, friends, the Reformation in 1517 was just one tiny token of the mercy of God to bring light, to bring hope, to bring truth out of darkness, superstition, fear. What we need in America today, dear friends, is another Reformation, and it's not impossible. I agree it's unlikely Too many churches even are turning away from the Word of God and focusing on tradition and entertainment or some other things that are not biblical at all. In desperation, yes, in expectation, why don't we do something like this? Open the Bible. Let the light shine. Say, Lord, there's some verses here I don't understand, but keep reading and saying, Lord, please show me what you meant by what you said here. The just those who are justified before a holy God, who are accepted by him in God's heaven, come to him how? By taking him at his word. That's all, by faith, believing what he meant by what he said when he said, Jesus died for your sins, paid in full the penalty you could never pay, and rose from the dead triumphant to prove that he had conquered death and Satan forever. And I say thank you, Lord, for this dynamic message of spiritual reformation available. We'll never forget our trip back there in Germany back in July of 1984 to see ourselves how the Reformation began. But today, friends, is another Reformation potential, beginning with whom? With you, with me, in our heart of hearts. As we say, Lord, tell me what it means. I'm saved by grace, by simple faith in what you said. I believe, Lord, in you. You love me, 
You paid for my salvation. You confirmed it by the Holy Spirit speaking to me through your precious word, the Bible. Help me to be a light reflector into other people's darkness. And I say, Lord, what a wonderful chance you have given me again and again to speak of the Savior of the world. Do you know him, friend? Is he your Lord? Have you trusted him, taken him by faith in what he's offered here by, by means of salvation? May this be the new spiritual reformation in your life and in your family, even today. That's Dr. John Whitcomb answering the question, Reformation or Halloween? I'm Wayne Shepherd, your host. So much of what we'll see promoted in the media and in the culture this week will remind us of fear and death. If you'd like some influences that bring you hope and joy, check out our pages at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb and facebook.com slash Whitcomb Ministries, where we'll be preparing for Reformation Day all throughout the week. Now, Dr. Whitcomb, in light of what we've studied today, how would you counsel a young person that professes to know Christ but has been in the habit of celebrating Halloween? The potential is absolutely enormous, isn't it? Young families all across America that to some extent or other have professed to be Christ followers, believers in Jesus, to do something special at Halloween this weekend. Like what? Well, to say, let's do something drastic. Let's open the Bible and listen to what God has to say about these wonderful things. Yes, God's plan of salvation. And I maybe begin just open the Bible at Romans chapter 1. Say, Lord, help us as a family, to understand what you meant by what you said in this wonderful chapter. And then, friends, during the days that follow as you prepare for the typical Halloween celebrations, the opportunity will come to you, and I say, Lord, help us understand how we can take advantage of these wonderful opportunities to teach and train and help our children to understand the things that count the most in their lives and for all eternity. So America has the potential for a genuine reformation, turning away from things that are superstitious, like Halloween. And I say, Lord, we need the whole counsel of God. Open the Bible. Say, Lord, there are many things I don't understand, but show me what I need to know to be saved and to help my children to know how to be saved. Uh, I didn't have that privilege when I was a child. My parents were not believers. I was their only child. And finally, when I came to Princeton University in 1942, somebody invited me to a Bible class. And that was the beginning of the end of superstition, fear, doubt, evolutionism, darkness, demonism in my life. And I say, thank you, God, for every remembrance of that man who told me about Jesus and how to honor, love, serve, and represent him. So, Wayne, I would recommend we do the impossible. Pray in faith that Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, will bring light into the deepening darkness of our country. Uh, Young people, young men, young women, trying to get involved with some kind of Halloween entertainment, to bring that person to -to face-to-face with Jesus, not with spooks and demons and departed spirits and that type of thing. Satan loves that, doesn't he? But to come to Jesus, the light of the world, the life, the one who can transform our superstitions, our fears, our darkness, into joy and hope and peace. That's the beginning of what we would call a spiritual reformation in homes, in families, in neighborhoods, in cities, in states, across this nation, yes, and around the world. May God help us to be true light reflectors in this darkness around us and to avoid, turn away from, set aside, 
superstition and fear and darkness. And I say, Lord, you alone are able to do this. You have defeated Satan on that cross. He will be cast out of the world as the king of the world. And all these things will be transformed by Jesus, especially when he comes. Lord Jesus, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help me to be your light reflector, your representative, to share with people as you give me opportunity the wonderful truths of Jesus. Don't be troubled by the thought of demons or ghosts this October 31st. As Dr. Whitcomb said, let's open our Bibles and allow God's Holy Spirit to teach us. Here's Dr. Whitcomb again to lead us in a closing word of prayer, asking that you might encounter God's truth this week by celebrating God's glory and grace. I thank you, dear Father in heaven, for the power you have given to those who trust you. Nothing in us will totally help us and weak, but by the Holy Spirit of God, the things that seem impossible to men become possible. I remember what James said in the wonderful fifth chapter of his, of his letter. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much, can accomplish much. Friend, don't you want the Reformation to begin in your heart that will reach out to your loved ones, your neighbors, your families, yes, even to the ends of the earth? The great, someday God will sit us down and say, Dear child, here's what your faithful, effective prayer did to bring a reformation in your community, in your home, in your own heart. And I say, Lord, help me to believe you, to trust you. That's what I need, a spiritual reformation in my own heart through the Word of God and His wonderful provisions and written promises. Thank you, Lord, for what you said on the basis of what you've done to me and those who listen to this Encounter God's Truth opportunity that you've given us today. Thank you, God. 